Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Convo Courses Podcast. Every week I talk about, I'm just open topics on cybersecurity. If you're trying to get into this field, you're trying to level up in this field, this is a great opportunity to ask questions. My specialty is in uh, cybersecurity compliance, but I've done almost every aspect of IT and, um, and cybersecurity. So any questions that you have, like this is an opportunity to ask somebody who's on the inside, who's been doing this for over 20 years. So Let's get into it. I think I'm going to start this off by letting you guys know that if you're if you are really serious about this, you know, if you're one of the few that are actually very serious about this, I have courses, I have books, um, different price points. You know, uh, of course, you can just go on YouTube and go to my social media and look a lot of this up for free um, and get my two cents on cybersecurity, how to get in, what's what certifications to get, how my advice what what would I do now if I was in a position where I was just starting off? Like all that stuff, you know, there's there's free, there's books, and there's paid courses at different price points so that you can get deeper and deeper and deeper into this. If you didn't know, I have a site called ConvoCourses.com, ConvoCourses.net, and both of those will lead you to all kinds of stuff that you can go kind of deep dive into this. But as for right now, I'm taking comments, I'm taking um, questions. Um, topics you want to discuss, any of that kind of stuff that that's on the table right right now. I'm not going to be on here too long today. Sometimes I'll do it like a two hour session, but today I think I'm I'm going to chill and just do a few. All right. So first, I got uh, Marquise says. Let me see on LinkedIn. He says, "What do you think about starting your own business uh, doing assessments?" Um, this is something that is very very possible. I would say that if you if you are doing this, it it definitely you can definitely do it. The reason why I say that is because I get hit up all the time for short contracts to do assessments and do like stop gap and gap analysis and like um, doing people's documentation and they'll pay me a high amount um, like a 1099, which means they just bring me in and just pay me uh, an hourly uh, hourly wage like for a certain period of time easily you could do a contract with some of these companies so it's definitely possible it's definitely a huge amount of opportunity i will say this though um they're expecting you to have a lot of experience like if you if you don't have it's a combination of like they want you to either have um either like a master's or a bachelor's and some experience you've got to be able to have some experience to back up you know what you what you're doing. So I, I think the reason why I get contacted a lot is because I, I've been doing this for a really long time and I've done it for, you know, NASA, for DOD and other federal departments. So they'll contact me and, and to get my advice. And plus they'll, they'll watch my videos and stuff and they say, okay, this guy, you know, he knows some stuff. So let me, let me contact them. So they'll contact me directly. But to start a business, I think that's great. Like if you have that entrepreneurial uh, spirit, if you have, if you're a self-starter, um, if, if that's you, you know, nobody has to tell you what to do, then you can definitely do a business doing this and make a make a grip, you know. So um, there's pros and cons. The pros is like you you are. You, I would say you're in control of your own how much money you make if you do your own business, if you go into your assessments yourself, you're in control of that. Um, that that being said, you can make, you know. Upwards of a million dollars. Literally, you can make millions of dollars doing this. Like you could literally make me. And I'm not even I'm not exaggerating. A million is not even that much for contracts. You can go on Sam's.gov 
and um and and do them directly like you can go directly and do contracts and um do like a two-year contract or six-month contract to do assessments um or to do risk management framework and stuff um you got to get a duns number you have to have an llc you know you have to do all of your homework you have an ein all that kind of stuff for tax purposes in the us all that stuff's possible um, I was I've been approached by a couple of organizations in the past. I don't I'm not looking right now. I have a job. But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the pros to it is that your upward amount of money you can make is is super high. And um, people often mistake me for people who are already doing that. They're like, hey, are you this X person? I'm like, nah, like, no, that's not that's not me. You know, I'm not. That's not me. You know, <laughs> but um, the the cons are you don't. You have to be the person marketing yourself. You have to put yourself out there. You have to go out there and get it. You have to figure out um, how to how to do all of the. There's a bunch of like laws and stuff that you got to be that you've got to get yourself in alignment with. I don't think it's as hard as as we make it out to be. And then you have to do like a contract. You can actually hire a contracting agency to write it for you. You don't know how to do it. You can actually use ChatGPT to help you to write it and then have somebody like tighten it up for you for for a fee. So you know, like have some lawyers look at your contract or whatever. So there's, there's different things you can do to do proposals and things like that. So uh, what do I think about it? I think it's great, especially, you know, if you're ready to do it, like, I think it's great. I've thought about it myself before. It was a time when I was out of work. I was, I was trying to get out of the employee role and just like try to do it. And I, I couldn't find anything. Um, and I, I got two kids, I'm a single father and stuff. So for me, it's a little, it's a little bit more difficult. You know, but if you have a bunch of money in the bank, if you, you know, you're you're solid or maybe you're a single person and you just you can you have uh, the time and money and effort to do it and you could be out of work for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it, man. It's it's awesome. I think that's an awesome move. All right. I got some other people asking me questions here. Um, let me see here. 20 years cybersecurity. That's, that's my message. <laughs> All right. Hey, Armani, how you doing? Just going through TikTok questions because I'm wondering what I'm doing here. Um, currently doing a BS in, in, in cybersecurity. I really want to do coding. Is it still worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Coding is coding is fire, man. Like I, I often say there's this push to, that people think that you have to know coding in, in order to get into cybersecurity. That is not true. But if you do know coding, Man, it opens up so many doors, so many doors. And and nine, a lot of times I'll go to these different organizations and um, there'll be these upper echelon people that everyone relies on. Normally, those are the people who know how to code. I've noticed like every time I've gone to an organization, we need somebody to write scripts to take all this data in and put it in a different form. We need somebody to be able to understand how to do application security. We need somebody. There's only a few people who really know how to do that. So they're they're very in demand within the company. And they're the company is willing to pay them more to keep them. They're they're really in demand. So if you know how to code, that's that's really good. If you know how to code and you know cybersecurity, or if you have a background in cybersecurity or a master's in cybersecurity or bachelor's in cybersecurity, and you know how to code, like you're proficient at javascript you're proficient at python you're prescript pro proficient at whatever whatever coded even it could even be html if you happen to be really really good at html there'll be times when the company needs somebody to help them with their website or something like you'd be surprised 
database, all that scripting, SQL, all that stuff is in. If you know how to do it, like you, you're on another level. If you know how to code, you know, especially if you're good at it. So, um, yes, I would say, yes, it's, it is definitely worth your time to learn how to code. Definitely. If you want to be on the upper, if you want to be elite status, then, then get know how to code period. Um, languages I would recommend. There's a couple languages that once you know them, you kind of know it helps you with other ones. And I would say with scripting, there's a difference between actually writing programs and scripting. So scripting is like PHP, Perl, JavaScript, and there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of others. I'm not a software engineer, so I can't list them all out. But there's a whole bunch of scripting languages. And scripting languages is kind of like it's like an easier version of programming. Like you don't need to write an actual program. It's more like you need to take this data and then make it into look like this data. That's scripting does stuff like that. You can write whole programs with scripting, but script scripting is really good at um, taking this data and making it look like this. You know, programming it would be things like C plus plus, C sharp. Um, I don't know if Go is a scripting language or a programming language. I'm not sure, but um, other ones would be uh, Java. Help me out here. There's a bunch of program like programming languages. Like is what operating systems are built on. What what websites are designed mostly on. Uh, they're the main code that you use to make applications that you use on your phone or or whatever operating systems, all that kind of stuff. So there's a difference between the two. I would say if you know one really deeply, if you know one scripting language really deeply, all the other ones are going to be kind of like you'll be able to figure them out quickly. And in programming is the same way. If you know one programming language really, really good, I've noticed that those programmers, they'll know C++, but they also know C Sharp and they also know Ruby, whatever, on Rails, whatever the hell it's called. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a programmer. So um, uh, let me see. I'm going to answer some more questions here. Feel free to answer any questions. Ask any questions right here. I'm, I'm an insider. I'm, I'm a cybersecurity guy. I've been doing this for many years, so I can I can answer questions very truthfully, respectfully. Okay, Jay Everything says, um, my brother has three experiences as a data recovery technician and wants three years of three experiences, three years of experience doing data recovery and wants to get into cybersecurity. And are any pointers on uh, that you can give him so that he could learn faster? Yeah. So uh, what he can do uh, is, is uh, what I would do if I was him is I would do a security plus. I do a security CompTIA security plus. Why? Um, it's going to let you I'm not telling. Okay, like there's a way you could just go ahead and cheat, go on on the internet, find the answers to the test, and pass the test within a week. You can literally memorize all the questions. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't don't do that. What you need to do is learn. You need to learn the stuff. Like you need to know because it. You will have to use the information that you learn. You need to know the why of cybersecurity. And what I'm telling you to do is go on CompTIA, um, learn all of the the um, all of the curriculum. They'll have a curriculum in there that is divided into parts. You need to go through each one of the, all the curriculum, like if, if, whether you read it. A comp, you should do some co combination of he should do some combination of reading, watching videos, and doing tests. 
that's what I did. I did all of those things over and over again until it was just like I got it. And then if you can even do hands on, that's that'll get you to another level. Hands on, hands on with things like. I don't know, scripting hands on with things like setting up a server and then figuring out like what's the vulnerabilities hands on the vulnerabilities, like looking at actual vulnerabilities in a networking environment. So those are some of the things that as a data recovery technician, he won't have he probably won't have exposure to uh, the the deeper end of networking. Right. So that's the kind of stuff that he needs to learn. And um, so that said, as a. Uh, data recovery technician, there'll be parts of cybersecurity that he fully understands. Some of those are, um, there's a whole, there's a whole part of it that's about data recovery because data recovery and um, continuity, business continuity and, and data recovery backups and things like that is all a part of information assurance meaning having a certain information insurance is a fancy word to say how much confidence does do I have in my company's servers and um, back in and processes to say I'm going to put very important information on here. How confident are we that it's solid, that we have confidentiality, integrity and availability of that data? So what I'm telling you, what I would do is I would get a, a security plus. Number one, you're going to be able to learn the common body of knowledge of cybersecurity in general. And then the number two is it's a very marketable certification. And then when you fill out your his when he fills out his resume, he'll be able to actually put a lot of IT stuff on there. And um, I would highlight all the stuff he's done in business continuity and disaster recovery, because that's kind of what he's doing. And those are security. Um, those are security features that organizations want people to be able to do. So the good news is your brother. You say, brother? Yeah, your brother already has experience in this field. You know, he already has dipped his toe into it. So I'd go security plus. Hope that helps. Uh, let me see. I am a information. I'm an InfoSec Pathways program. I'm in the InfoSec Pathways program with the federal agency. And NIST RMF authority to operate. Awesome. That's incredible. That's great. That's a that's a really, really good place to be in like there's a lot of jobs in this field that's where i started too in in the federal government um will a google it support tech uh certificate get me an entry-level job um it really depends uh cert just having a certification does not guarantee you a job um that said I'm not saying no. Okay. So I'm not saying no, but what they're really looking for is somebody who knows how to do this stuff. So what I would say is go ahead and get that certification. That's good. It's a good start. So you can learn the common body of knowledge for IT, but be looking for entry level positions that require no experience. So that's that's what I would do. That's that's a strategy that I would use. Look for entry level positions with no experience. You you can find one. It, it's probably not going to be what you think. It's not going to be like a lot of these influencers, IT influencers and cybersecurity influencers, for some reason, are telling everybody to go get these Google. I don't know what they're getting out of it. I'm not sure. Like, 
are they getting like some kind of kickback from that? I don't, I don't know, but they're telling everybody to go get these Google support IT certifications so I can get a job. Now, I've been contacted with people who said, hey, I have this certification. I got a job, but they're not making like 80. You know, they're not like they're making like 40. It's an entry level position. So all I'm telling you is go ahead and get that certification and then look for entry level positions with no experience. And that's that's something you could do, you know. So um, I'm not saying no, just it's going to be harder without experience. And it's kind of like which one came first, the chicken or the egg? How can I get experience, Bruce, if they're not going to give me experience? You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm telling you it's going to be difficult, but not impossible. You can do it, but you're going the right path because you're learning the stuff, the entry-level stuff you need to know with the Google IT support certificate. But when you try, don't don't expect to magic. Somebody's not going to magically wave their wand and suddenly magically you got a, a, a job. It's, it's going to be it's going to be hard without without um, I'm just trying. The harsh reality is it's going to be hard without experience. It's going to be hard to do. Not impossible, but it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to don't give up. Keep trying to get those jobs and um, and uh, keep putting your resume out there and stuff. Um, OK, let me see. I got some more questions here. And Jay said he followed up with his question about about three years data recovery technician and have he has no certification and doesn't mean you won't get a job. Does doesn't mean you won't get a job. OK. OK. Jay is, is chiming in. And uh, let me see. Oh, OK. Jay is saying. Um, Uh, let me see. You don't have to have a certification. Um, some companies allow you to get in with minimum required certifications in, let's say, six months and say six months of hiring. And he goes on to say this is on YouTube, by the way. Therefore, you don't necessarily need a certification to get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah, that's a great point. So this is a great point. So what happened? One of the jobs that I got. Um, they required me to have a a uh, CISSP to get into that job, which is a high level certification. And I didn't have one at the time. And um, they said, look, we'll hire you. But within six months, we want you to have the certification. Can you do it? Are you willing to do it? I said, yes. They had me sign some paper saying I would do it or something. And I didn't get it in six months because it was hella hard. So I was like, <laughs> I was studying. I was too nervous to even take the test. So um, that's why what you can do on your resume is you can put working on security plus working on cissp working on whatever certification you're actually work you should actually be working on that certification by the way so that when you get in the interview right it you be able to say yeah i'm working on it i'm studying right now you know i'm i'm about to take the test in three months my plan is to take it in three months and stuff like that so great point jay thank you um got some more questions and comments somebody said i'm learning python that's awesome i'm stuck between getting more certs and a master's degree i hear masters is only for upper level management roles i'm just going to give you my two cents smooth latino <laughs> smooth latino said that was that was this is a comment from him um so i agree so you said you've heard 
that master's degree is only for upper level management roles. I would say it's not only necessarily, but there's a diminishing returns on higher on on in IT. There's a diminishing returns on master's degree if you're not going for a management position. What I mean, what I mean to say is, what I mean to say is there's levels to this. Like the first level is experience. If getting your foot in the door is way easier if you have experience if to level up, right? Having the knowledge is baseline. Like your baseline, you can't, it's damn near impossible to get any job with no, with no knowledge. Okay. That's the first one. But once you have the knowledge, then you can apply for a job to get your foot in the door and get that experience. Once you have experience, you've hit the first level, the first level. With experience, you might not even need a certification. You might not even need a degree. Um, now, with a degree and certification, that's going to get your foot in the door faster at, for entry level. And that's great. Um, then you have a bachelor's degree. So bachelor's degree is a huge step forward because a lot of contracts require at least a bachelor's degree for that eight, that 80,000, that 75,000, that 60,000 contracts th those big contracts that Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin and and all the Google and and Amazon and all those guys are paying these they get these gigantic contracts with different organizations and agencies and governments all over the world and then they say and then in that contract it says look we're going to hire people who are qualified meaning have a bachelor they're going to have a bachelor's degree or x years of experience or whatever this and that so bachelor's degree a lot of a, a lot of contracts have bachelor's, they require a bachelor's degree or three, four years of experience. They they fluctuate between those two things. So bachelor's degree is that next step up. Once you get the bachelor's degree, let's say you have a couple entry-level certs. There's a couple certs that are going to boost you up even more. And I'll name a couple for you. These are professional level certs, CISSP, CCNP, CCNA, I would say is not a professional level cert considered, but it, it pays really good. It's Cisco certifications are very good, um, mark, very marketable. CASP, C-A-S-P, that's with CompTIA. Uh, let me think, Juniper, J-N-P, J-C-N-P, I think it's called. These are professional level certs. They're, they're difficult to get, they're expensive, and they normally you can't even take them if, unless you have like three years experience or something like that. So those boost you up to this other level. Like they're going to like you have a master bachelor's degree and then boom, you, you're going to they're going to probably throw another. You could probably ask for another 20 K a year if you have one of these professional levels. So hell, if you have a professional level search, you don't even need a degree. In some cases, you got experience and you got a CISP. You don't even you don't even need a degree in some cases. Um, so there's those that's those two levels. And then there's another level. OK, master's degree. That's what we're talking about. Master's degree. So now in my experience. OK, now I don't speak for everyone. I'm speaking from Bruce's perspective. Everybody thinks differently about it. But here's my here's my two cents. And I don't have a master's degree. So keep that in mind. OK, grain of salt. Take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. So it's my opinion. If I was to get a man, I'm already making six figures. I make about 130 with my salary. OK, if I got a master's degree. It's not going to help me. It's it's going to help me. Okay, let me let me back up. It's going to help me a little bit. 
you know, help me. I might be able to go back to the company and be like, hey, I got a master's degree. I want to get paid. Like, what do you guys, is, is there something we can work out? Because I, I know you guys are going to use my master's degree to promote. They're going to they're going to come back and say this. Well, you need to change positions with your master. That's great. Congratulations on your master's degree. But we want you to now be a supervisor. We want you to now be a manager. Right. And then we'll pay you 20,000 more a year, whatever it is. Right. That's at the last three or four companies I've been to. That's kind of what they did. If you had a master's degree, it didn't automatically get you more money in the door. Now, if you negotiated that in the door, then, yeah, maybe. But once you're in and you get a master's degree, it's kind of like, all right, well, you you have to be in this other position, which is a management manager or supervisor. Now we'll pay you more money. We're not going to necessarily pay you more money because you have a master's degree. So it's it's position based. So I would say unless you're trying to become upper level management, it's not going to pull in that extra like that big chunk of like where you see it in your check where it's another $800 a month or an extra $500, like an extra $1,000, $2,000 per month that you're going to see unless you're like a manager, upper level manager, supervisor, which means more work. And so you got to weigh your your options. and it, Or it could be mean less work. I mean, it depends on what your man, the management roles are like. So that's just my two cents. It's just what I've seen. I could be totally wrong. Um, and, and it's just from my perspective. So, you know, everybody's got a skewed perspective on this. So m maybe one day I'll, I'll mess around and get a master's degree, but it would be better for my business for me to say, OK, hey, I, I have a master's degree. You know, look at me. I, you know, buy my book. I'm, I have a master's degree. Then then I think that would help me with my books or something. <laughs> but <laughs> but at a company, I mean, I don't know, unless I want to be a manager, which I don't. OK. Uh, currently taking basic Linux class, almost done with the BA in cybersecurity. Man, congratulations. Linux is, Linux is fire, man. Linux is, if you know Linux, you know, you can mess around on Ubuntu, Red Hat, SE Linux, Kali Linux, Unix, right? Because Linux is based on Unix, so you can actually navigate with most Unix interfaces. Like, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Iris. I don't even know if people are using Irix anymore. Um, but all variants of Unix, Linux is based off of off of uh, basic Unix. So um, that is awesome. Make sure you learn. Um, if you can, learn some scripting. Script, scripting is so powerful within Linux. And another thing is if you know Linux command, this is correct. Now, this is blew my mind when I first started you realizing it um but if you know linux commands you actually know cisco commands like some you can do some cisco commands with with linux commands because it's, cisco is based on linux if you know linux you also know macintosh because the back end of macintosh mac mac changed like maybe 10 20 15 years ago now damn I'm old about 15 years ago they changed from their own bullshit OS, and then they base their stuff off of, of Linux. And uh, so if you know Linux, you know Macintosh. It's crazy. But if you know Linux, you know the back end of Macintosh. You know all the variants of Linux. You know some Unix. And you know some uh, 
some different devices that are based off of Linux. It's Linux, I cannot stress it enough. Like if you know some Linux, basic Linux, I'm talking about LS space dash L, shit like that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about copying these files from this folder to this. If you know basic stuff like that, it's going to help you to navigate the, the back end, the, the um, command line interface. Because I know basic Linux, I if you give me any kind of tool, I'm gonna be familiar. I'm gonna be able to navigate the in, the back end of your whatever pa Palo Alto firewall, your Juniper, all that stuff. And and also if you're a pen tester, it you have to know Linux. You have to know Linux. Every pen tester must know Linux. And if you're, I was, I would argue, if you're a software engineer, worked your salt doing cybersecurity, you must know Linux. There's a there's a couple of things in cybersecurity where you must know Linux. I, I would say doing pure policy stuff, you don't really have to know Linux. But if you do any kind of cybersecurity analysis, if you do any kind of pro uh, application security, if you do any kind of uh, anything like that, anything hands on, um, unless you're purely a very deeply embedded Macintosh, no, if you know Mac, you have to know Linux. But Windows, if you if you're just straight up Windows Server guy, you probably don't have to know Linux. Like if you're a very deep system admin on 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 Windows, and probably you don't you don't really need to know Linux. But anything else, if technical, you, you probably have to know. If banks use Linux, like freaking uh, Google uses Linux, fucking Amazon uses Linux, cloud uses Linux, freaking uh, VMware uses, they all use Linux. So v Linux is fire. You, you, if you're technical, you basically, at some point, you're going to have to know some of it. Uh, let me see. I got some questions or comments from LinkedIn. Uh, let me see. Marquis says, um, I disagree respectfully about putting work, working on certification in your resume. Okay, most of the high-level certifications only because they are hard to get and there's no guarantee you'll actually get the certification. I think classes or working on a degree may hold more weight because um, you can actually prove you taken certain classes. Yeah, Marquise disagrees with me about putting certifications on your, like saying, oh, I'm working on this or that certification. I mean, I'm just going off my experience. Like I've done it before and it works. Uh, so <laughs> it works, man. Like you just put working on X certification and you should get a degree. A degree outweighs a, a, a certification all day long. And so I would say, I would argue experience is over a degree and then a degree, then experience. I mean, experience, degree, certification. That's what I would say. That's just my two cents. But, uh, you know, this this man's a professional. So every, everything I say, guys, take it with a grain of salt. I'm just some guy. I'm just some random guy who has 20 years of cybersecurity experience. So just keep that in mind. Now, this is my perspective. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm saying this is my I'm one dude with this perspective on this stuff. But I could be totally wrong. Um, let me see. And keep in mind, I'm old. You know, maybe the market's changed. Maybe you don't have to know Linux. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
I got some more questions and comments and stuff and disagreements. I love the disagreements, by the way. I keep them coming. Marquis says, um, okay, this must be on something else. I agree. If you have certifications with no degree um, needed up to a, a certain level, having an MS degree will help you to jump companies, but not, not internally. Yes, I agree with that. Most companies will offer you a, slightly, a slight pay bump for earning a certain certification and degree. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, I've heard MITRE is, is a company that will give you a bonus for completing a degree. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, most of the companies, I, I agree with you on this one, uh, Marquise. Like, um, from what I've seen, if you have a cert if you have a degree, if you went from a bachelor's to a master's internally, I haven't been to a company. I personally haven't been to a company that will give you any money. But if you have a certification, if you have a cert certain certification that they want, I've seen them give you a bonus for that. Um, but normally, if you have a master, if you go from bachelor's to master's, they'll usually in my from what I've seen, I've been to six or seven different companies. OK, I bounce around. What I've, if you're already internal, they'll normally give you more. They'll say, OK, look, you have a master's degree. Now you qualify to do this management job role that we want you to do like do you want if you want to do this we'll put you over here and this pays x and it pays like more significantly more in some cases uh let me see i got some other questions on tiktok um i like doing hands-on work so it's a bit hard to determine which is the best um, and you said before this, you said I got stuck with master's degree, upper level roles. OK, let's keep going here. I'm going to ask some other questions. I'm going to ask some new questions. I know that this. Oh, man, I got a lot of people jumping on my TikTok. That's crazy. Um, I have a master. I have a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity. Do I still need a certification? Um, I. It's not about needing a certification. Uh, what you what you want mostly is is experience. Like your your aim should be experience. Everybody's there's all this hype around certifications, and there's because of it there's all of these paper tigers running around. Per, paper tiger is a derogatory term for somebody who all they do is take certifications. Somebody's called me a paper tiger before. It didn't feel good. <laughs> it didn't feel good. And um, anyway, so it, it should be like this. Your hierarchy in IT and cybersecurity should be experience. Experience outweighs everything. That's hands-on experience, deep levels of knowledge on um, processes and procedures, experience working in an organization, experience writing policies if you're a policy writer, experience doing pen testing, setting up networks if you're a network engineer, whatever you're, whatever area you're in, like experience hands-on doing that thing. And then there's levels of experience. Like the best experience would be working at some prestigious company where you are put, you are putting some um, high level system in place that uh, a lot of people are going to be depending on, right? So it's a lot at stake. It's, it was worth a lot of money. You'll be able to put down your resume and gain people's trust that way. That's the highest, probably one of the highest, unless you develop some shit from scratch, like you develop like some new thing. That's probably the highest level experience anybody can get. Like you have a patent for some shit and you're going to, you know, 
from a company. That's the highest you can get. Then there's the other ones working on a major project. Then below that would in a company, in a company, a prestigious company. Lo, below that would be that you helped work on something. You you were part of something. You helped where you weren't. You didn't spearhead it. You didn't lead it. You weren't one of the main people that did this. You know the work, but you helped. You assisted. You were a part of a gigantic team with some company. And then below that, you've got projects. Maybe at a school, you worked on some project. I've seen people list projects that they've done for a company. But it should be a an organization or company. It got to be something something involved with it. But that said, you know, if you did work on a project at your school, at a university or something, you could possibly list that as part of your, uh, you know, on your on your resume. Um, but the best is going to be working for a company. You know, that's the best thing you can you can put on there, because then you'll be able to say the company is like looking at your resume and they're saying, OK, how can we trust this person to do this X, Y and Z, whatever it is. And if you they see that you've done it at another company and they can verify this person worked at that company before. Now they have some level of trust that you are going to come in and help them. They want to know that you're going to be able to hit the ground running. So experience is it really is above all things. Um, and then I would say a degree. A degree shows that you have you've had some you've had some skin in the game. You've been working on something for a long period of time. You stuck with it. You're in this. You already you have time, money and energy invested in yourself, in your career, uh, in your in your time in this field in IT or cybersecurity or whatever. Right. So that that degree is worth something. And then certifications certifications is like the icing on the cake. Certifications is like the sprinkles on the you know, it's like the. That's going to help you. But if that's all you have is all you have is sprinkles. Nobody wants that. You know what I mean? <laughs> if all you if somebody gave you a plate full of sprinkles and icing, you know what I mean? Like, where's the cake? Like, where's the rest of this thing? So experience is best. Like, it's it's kind of like, would you have rather have a pound cake with nothing on it? The experience or just somebody smeared some icing on a plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Experience is best. So focus your mind on experience. Um, let me see. Is this Bruce Brown from the Nuggets? Block. Um, silver. <laughs> silver. Chuck says, hello, I'm writing a ice. I'm writing a CC. ISC 2 CC next month, please. What other certifications do I need for entering a role? Or, wait, I don't understand what you're saying. Are you saying that you're about to take the CC for next month? And you, what role are you going for? I guess I don't understand the full question. Can I use a home lab for experience? Um, no. Um, so uh, I would say no. I would I would say no. Um, I would say you would be able to say on your resume that you are familiar with it. Like there's a way you could word it to where you could put it on your resume, but not. I don't know how you would list it under experience. 
I'm trying to think of how you would word that as experience on the, you could probably put it on your skills. Like if you built a lab in your house, I'm just trying to think of the best way to do it. That's not corny. That people are not going to look at it and be like, yo, what the hell this guy, you know, <laughs> um, what I would do, you probably could, maybe there's a way to do it, but what I would do to, in a way that wasn't corny, what is I would do the lab. The, the lab is definitely important. You want to have a, some sort of a lab where it's a virtual lab or if you set up cloud, you know, you're a cloud guy, you set up like a ACS, a, an ACS cloud or an Amazon cloud or a Google cloud or whatever, and you know how to do it um, on a project, but not for a company, you could then list it as a skill, you know, under the skills portion, say, you know, explain that you are have that as a skill um, or that maybe even put under the skills that you've developed it before. Experience of really what you could do is be a freelancer and do freelance work for other organizations, freelance work for for um, people, for organizations, for your for your uh, university, unless that. You could probably do it like that. Trying to think of a way you could you could list it, but I think you you probably want if it's a lab, you would probably want to put it under skills. I would say that's just my. But if anybody else knows how to do that, I'm not sure how you would word it. Um, and from a lab in your house. Um, at a university, I've seen people list the projects from a university, but not like from a lab. Um, what doors are open for an associate IT auditor? For an associate IT audit auditor, um, look look for SCA. Go to LinkedIn and type in SCA. It's, it's a security control assessor. There might be some jobs under that. There's a couple keywords you probably want to be mindful of. One is a, the federal government calls it an assessor. I've noticed financial institutions call it an auditor. Um, you might be able to list on your resume that you that you are a uh, an auditor. Um, if you have any certifications related to that, that will help you out. Um, auditing, like such as the CISA from ISACA, you probably want to do that. Um, other language you could put on there is assessment. S-C-A, S-C-A, um, Sierra Charlie Alpha, and um, Control Assessor. Those are other keywords you can use to look for jobs. Um, they're looking for assessors all the time. Like you, It's hard to find assessors. Uh, let me see. I'm going to kind of try to speed run through some of these questions and comments. Getting a lot. I am a... I am a level security guard, level security guard. And now, and how do I get into cybersecurity? Um, so physical security is where I came from, by the way. Um, physical security is very important to cybersecurity. So actually, you already know one part. But the technical piece is a whole different game. So what you need to know is you need to start off with the knowledge. Get the Get your knowledge tight. And um, there's a there's a certain common body of knowledge, just like in, in physical security itself. There's a common body of knowledge that 
that people really need to know, like, you know, escalation of force, like um, how if you have a weapon, how to clear your weapon, always gun safety, uh, maybe um, first responder type things. There's certain things that, you know, as a physical security person that a civilian, a normal person off the street are not going to know. Right. And if they don't know that, you're going to be like, what the hell is this guy? He's going to get somebody hurt or killed. Right. If they don't know basic things. So it's the same thing with cybersecurity. But with cybersecurity, it's all based off of IT. So what you need to do is learn basic information technology. Because the thing about the logical protection of data is that you, you need to know how it works in order to protect it. Once you start learning it, you'll learn there'll be a certain um, concepts that you're familiar with, at least for me. Like there's there were things like auditing that was I'm like, you're, you're familiar with that, you know, doing audit checks, you know, doing auditing is something familiar to a to most physical security people. Um, access controls. You'll be familiar with that. Things like chain of custody. Um, there'll be certain things that and not to mention the, not the least of which is actual physical physical protection of of the actual systems because that's absolutely necessary. Um, so somebody said CIA triad triad. Um, that's confidentiality, integrity, and, and availability of information. But yeah, there's certain concepts that you need to know. Like you need to know basic information technology stuff to build on and start building up your knowledge and then slowly this isn't for another thing i'll say is this isn't for everybody like out of all of my old buddies from from the physical security not many of us went into computers some like there's a couple guys i know who did but out of hundreds that i knew that i knew of only maybe a few went in the side this is it's so different you know there's so many different layers to this to know but that said, try it. Try it out. You know, you never know. I would I would start off. If you know nothing at all. If you're not a geek. You don't you know, you're not a gamer. You're not putting your comu own computer together. You're not into, you know, building your own crypto rig or whatever the hell, you know, or writing code or writing your own, you know, programs. Then I would say start off with something called A plus CompTIA A plus because for most entry level people, like there's a lot of things that you need to know to start off with. So, and that's just to like get to know the stuff. What's better, government side or civilian side? So I've done both. So I was in the government as a Air Force dude and uh, worked for the Air Force for, I was in the Air Force for eight years. I did computers. That's where I did my physical security stuff. I was a purely government dude. And then when I got out, I worked, continued to work for the government as a contractor for a few I don't know, a dozen years or so. It must have been like 10 years. And then I also went into pure civilian. Like I, we had nothing to do with the government. So I did that. I know both sides. There's pros and cons to both. I would argue that it's more secure, purely government. The more, if you're a GS position or if you work directly for the government as a civilian government worker, like you're an employee and your paycheck says Department of Defense, or the U.S. Navy, you know, civilian or serviceman, that's the most secure job you can have. It literally takes an act of Congress for them to fire you, you know, unless you do some real stupid shit. Um, so it's the most secure, but it doesn't pay well. The cons are it doesn't pay well. 
There's not room for progress. The progression is very, very slow. Um, somebody, if you're a GS, somebody literally got to die sometimes for you to get progress. They don't learn super fast. IT is constantly moving, especially with AI. Like it's moving so fast now that it's like, <laughs> I don't know how the government has it. The government has trouble keeping up with technology. They're just very, very slow because um, they're very methodical and they're risk averse on a lot of things for good reason, because they have a lot of important information to protect. So pros on that side, job security. They also have the best benefits. Their benefits can cannot be beat. You, nobody's effing with their benefits. They got the best vacation, like 30 days out of a year. Um, their their uh, medical benefits in the U.S. is very important because they screw you on medical benefits here. I mean, they will destroy your life on some medical benefits here. But in the, if you work for the government, you're good. Um, and so those are the, probably the biggest pluses. And and it's job secure. And, and, and so if you have a family, it's really good. They don't pay very good. On the outside, working for purely non-government and has nothing to do with the government, private sector, they pay really good. They pay way better. That said, their benefits aren't as good. I mean... They're like, oh, we're going to give you 14 days of leave for a year. We're going to give you 11 days of leave. Like, you get to leave your job for 11 days out of a year. This is the U.S. Other, other countries are a little bit more uh, humane about, about humans working. But in the U.S., we're going to give you 11 days out of, of a year. Like, guess what? You get 11 days off. And if you get sick, you get five more days. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's not even a comparison for their for their uh, benefits. That said, they will give you like stocks or something like they'll give you if you get at a good company. I met this dude who had he worked at Chipotle and this dude got stocks when Chipotle was just getting hot. My man got out with all, half a million dollars in stocks because Chipotle went from here to here. So st the stock options are fire. Like if you can get you can get at a good company. I know a couple dudes who are millionaires from that shit. They got into a company that was about to blow up. They bought a bunch of stocks. They were super smart on buying the stocks. They got a bunch of shares. The company went from here to here. Boom, millionaire. So, um, yeah, so that's that's one of the better benefits. Um, killing me with 11 days. I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, who, I'm surprised nobody says anything about this bullshit. Anyway, so I digress. <laughs> Um, the good things and bad things about uh, purely uh, contract work is I would say this about contractors like there it's it's more uh, one thing is great about doing pure civilian work like not non non government stuff is that the the skill set you need to have is is on a different level that it's on a different level like having worked for these guys that they we had to know we had to know cyber threat intelligence we had to know uh how to create a phishing campaign we had to know um multiple compliance frameworks pci compliance uh i don't know hipaa compliance all just all kinds of compliance, PCI compliance. We had to know all those. We had to know, like, by the time I was done, I had this 
all these new skills from being a pure like it's it's and another thing is the good things about it is the money uh stock options are really good um you you have to learn a lot of stuff and that, that's actually good for your career the bad things let's talk about some of the bad bad things is they give you 11 freaking days a year or some stupid shit it's dumb um then they'll be like oh you're sick oh here's five more days so here you go like I, I, I'm a I'm a father. Like I have kids. I have to take them to appointments. You know, like what? <laughs> what are we doing here? What? what what's? The, <laughs> what are we? What are we doing here? I have a lot of human being. I'm not a freaking. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, then they're arguing about convalescent leave. They're like, oh, should we give a person time off for being pregnant? Like when they just had a baby? You know, like the, the how is that even? An, how is that a discussion in the in America? It's like how is that? How are we even talking about that? It does. It just. I don't know. I don't know what Americans like. That's that's just us, by the way. Just so you know, that's just Americans. Like other countries don't have these conversations. Um. What else is good and bad about purely the other side? Um, pays really good. Bad thing is that they'll let you go like that. Like you, you you're a number. You know what I mean? You're you're you, <laughs> at any if it's if their bottom line drops, somebody's gonna somebody's out of here. Somebody's you're gone. You know, <laughs> they do not give a damn. You are a number, and uh, yeah, it's it's doggy dog. Like if you're not pulling your weight, if you don't if you don't serve a purpose, you are gone, right? And so it's dog eat dog. It's aggressive. I would say that that's those are the good and bad. I'll say if you have a family, you probably want to go government route as much as possible, even if you're just a contractor working for the government. Um, if you have money on the side or whatever, you're not worried about getting a salary. Uh, you maybe you don't have kids or whatever, then um, probably it's better to just go ahead and do uh, purely civilian with no ties to the government. Are you talking about gov tech and public sector? Yeah, I'm talking about public sector versus private sector. Like just just my two cents haven't worked government sector and private sector. Government as a actual government employee and government as a contractor for the government versus private sector has nothing to do with with the guy work for Verizon or if you work for T-Mobile, if you work for Google or Facebook or whatever, you know, that's different private um is a plus a good certification i would say yes a plus was one of my first certifications um there, there's some debate on this i've seen some of the other gurus out there say that do not do this it's a waste of your time but i i don't think they're taking into account some people don't really know what the hell's going on um some a lot of people are that are right here listening to me they are in retail and they're trying to get into IT. And I'm telling them, hey, yeah, go do the CompTIA Plus. Why? It's going to teach you basic things that you need to know about the common body of knowledge for information technology. If you're a help desk person and you've been working for two, if you've been working in help desk for, I would say, eight months, you don't necessarily need this A Plus certification. You probably don't need it, right? Or maybe if you're still new to this and you've been doing it for eight months, yeah, go ahead and take it. I'm talking about A plus is really good for absolute beginners, new people. 
who don't have a maybe you don't have a degree or hell maybe you have a degree but you have no hands on you just you just it's not you don't know the IT tech uh, terminology you've never taken apart your own computer before you don't really know the components of a computer you don't like it's you're not an IT guy you're not an IT guy so I would say then yes A plus certification um if you've already been doing this for a year A plus probably a waste of your time you probably want to go to security plus it's more marketable it's going to pay you more all that kind of somebody said what certifications do you need after the a plus after the a plus you want to start thinking about specializations <clears throat> what do i mean by that so information technology is a huge 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 field okay but in that huge field you have security you have cybersecurity, you have network engineering you have programmers you have scientists and something people don't normally talk about you have mathematicians who do proofs for cryptography like that's all a part of the umbrella of cybersecurity it's cybersecurity itself and within cybersecurity is within IT so it's a huge field so after a plus you want to start thinking about after any entry level certifications whether you're talking about a plus certification or a, a Google IT support certification or whatever entry-level certification, you probably want to start thinking about, okay, where do I want my career to go? Like, what, where do I want it? What do I want to do? That's the next question I would ask myself. If you want to do cloud, you probably want to start thinking about, okay, um, do I want to do the Amazon cloud, the Google cloud, or whatever cloud? Um, or or uh, what's it called? Microsoft's um, Azure cloud, whatever. Um, if you want to go the cybersecurity route, um, Security Plus, period. period. That's the next step. Uh, if you want to go the network engineering route, then you probably want to think about what vendor, what vendor you're going to. The biggest one in the U.S. is Cisco, hands down right now. Like it changes from time to time. The marketability of it will change. Uh, other ones that you could probably do would be like Juniper. And if you were, want to do network security for firewalls, Palo Alto. So it depends is what I'm telling you. It depends on which way you want to go. And the thing is, once you get that A plus certification and you've been looking at this field for a while, listening to people like me, you're online looking at stuff, you're talking to your IT geek, but best buddies or whatever. And they're telling you, ah, nah, man, you got to do this. You got to do that. You're going to take all that data and you're going to figure out which direction you want to go. And then you also want to be messing around with your own lab, set up your own lab, get some hands-on experience, be tearing off part computers, putting them together, you know, messing around with computers, having some fun with that. Maybe even building your own uh, applications. Try that too, if that's the direct direction you want to go. Hope that answers your question. Um, let me see. Marquis says, yeah, non-DOD does seem a bit higher stress. Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't bring that up. That's a great point. Well, I didn't bring that up. Non-DOD seems to be a lot higher stress and no set hours. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, man. I, I guess I could talk about that. That's true. Um, they want to, to see you work 60 hours a week, figure out things that aren't in your skill set uh, with willing to provide less, uh, less willing to provide training. You know, some of that I absolutely, most of this I absolutely agree with. This man knows what he's talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. So, it's it can be a lot higher stress. Like when I worked for the private industry, you're kind of I was kind of on my own. Like they, I was a consultant, 
and they just gave me some clients and said, okay, here, here's how you do it. Go do it. <laughs> and so I would end up working all these extra hours. I had to make my own. It was high stress because the, the client like was really, had, oh my Lord, I don't even want to talk about it, but I had like multiple clients and some of them weren't good. Like some of them not, not say they weren't good, but it was, but, but they weren't good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were difficult. They were very, very difficult. So, um, yeah. And then I ended up working all these extra hours to appease the customer and stuff for the training portion. I would, the place I worked at, they were really good on training, but like how my thing was, they would give you the training, but like, I didn't have time because I was working so many freaking hours. I was working like 60 hours a week. And they're like, oh yeah, go to this training. Here's, you can go to this training, go that. I'm like, I don't, where do I have time to do training? I mean, as much as I would love to do cloud and sit for this cloud certification, I'm working 60 hours a week. Where, what, at what time, when am I supposed to do this? <laughs> so that, yeah, that's kind of what happened. But it was fun in that I it really pushed me. I it, it it let me know how good I was. That's a good and bad statement. You know, it's it showed me my limits. Like I I had no idea that I could perform at this certain level, but at the same time, I was, I still was lacking. Like there was still more for me to do. I just didn't have the hours, time of the day to do the stuff I really wanted to do. But that said, I exceeded what I thought. I was like, damn, I, I had no idea I had these kind of skills, you know, cause it really pushed me to this. other. And then I noticed like people had been there for a while, man, these guys were incredible. They'd been doing it so long that they were just on beast mode 24 7 i've never seen nobody like that before i mean they were just incredible these guys so that yeah that's pros and cons of private sector um dod has set the not just dod actually federal government they have like a set they'll say okay look here's what your job is here's your lane don't go this way don't go that way this is your lane you can actually even get in trouble for do, going outside of your lane. They're like, here's the scope of your work. This is what you need to do, period. Don't go here. Don't go there. Do these things. And they tell you, and if you do those things, you're good. That said, there's you, you, you're in a box. You know what I mean? So you can't go too far this way. That, whereas in private sector, you could go. They're like, no, here's the freeway. Go. And you could, if I wanted to, by the time I left, I could have had four or five different, they would have paid for them, certifications, but I just didn't have the time to do it. Um, but I was doing several different things. Somebody said GDRP, Sarbanes-Oxley, ISO 27001. Yeah, some of that stuff was some stuff we were doing. We were doing definitely, excuse me, ISO 27001. Um, I didn't get any exposure to, to GDRP when I was there, but yeah, there was a lot of a lot of exposure, man, to, to many different things when I was in the private sector. Um, do you recommend starting in fed tech or private sector? Uh, I would say it depends. I don't think there's a one set size fits all, um, solution for everyone. I would say if you're fresh, if you're a student 
you should take what you can get. I don't think you should be like, well, I don't know if I want to do Fed tech or like if somebody says, hey, we have this federal job for you. It's working for this embassy. It's an IT position. We're paying you X. You should just take it. You know, I mean, of course, if you got take your best option, I should say, go where they're going to serve you best. Uh, I wouldn't say. In the beginning, you just want experience. So if, you, if you're a beginner, you should take the best offer that you can get. If you are a family person, you've been an IT for a while. Um, I would say Fed, Fed federal government is going to take better care of you. Contract federal or GS position is going to be it's going to be better for you and your family, especially if you're trying to retire. Yeah, they, they, their retirements is legit. Um, they will actually pay you, whereas some other companies, they these days, companies don't, are not like retiring people. You know what I mean? They're, they're giving you a 401k and, and saying, um, good luck. Um, but the government is still retiring people. You know, the federal government and the state government, you can still get a, a retirement from it. Um, so if you have a family and you've been doing this for a while, yeah, federal government, it's more secure. If you don't care about security, you're a younger person, you're you're ride or die for this life you're like trying to do your thing you you maybe you want to be like a nomad you want to be a digital nomad you want to like take your laptop somewhere to bali or work from there or something like that private sector is probably going to be better because they have more options for you to do stuff like that that said private sector is is uh it can be difficult um like i said like they're going to work you more hours sometimes uh you're expected to know way more and uh and come up with solutions and uh it's it's gonna be harder possibly but it's gonna pay better and it's gonna be a little bit more free so if you if that's kind of the road you want to go then i would say private sector but if, if you're new to this take anything you can get just to get your foot in the door then you can start thinking about where where you want to go from there somebody said yeah i'm not even looking to start a family till i'm like 30 um so at least so i'm cool with it yeah yeah so what take right now just take whatever you can get regardless of your situation especially if you're new to this family or no family take what you can get like whether it's fed tech or if it's private sector just take what you can get um it's hard to become great at cyber while working in dod um i would say you can become you can become great but i know what you mean mike mike you, you bring up a really good point because there's not a lot of room for progression. They kind of put you in a box like you. You kind of have a set of of a scope of work and you kind of stay in that box. So you're not going to do these crazy projects that are going to really expand and test you. And it gets kind of if you're if you're a real adventurous kind of it guy who's trying who's wants to be tested and it's dod is gonna be so boring not just dod federal government in general it's gonna be so especially if you're if you're a, a civilian that means like if you're a, a gs working directly for the department of defense or the department of the navy or whatever you know it could get really boring like i i worked for an organization like that and it was it was I just was doing the same thing over and over again for like five years and I was ever paying me. But I was wanting to do like something like some hacking or pen testing or something. That said, what I would do is I would do my own thing. Like I had my own side projects and I was doing that. 
And so you can still get good by doing your own thing. Um, let me see. Can I can I clearance if I work for corrections? It, can I get a clearance? Is that what you mean? Can I get a clearance if I work for corrections? Um possibly. Possibly, yeah. There's there's lots of work that will give you a a a um, public trust, which is not a certification. I mean, it's not a clearance. But there's a bunch of jobs, um, such as corrections or whatever, that will get you that public trust or a secret clearance or whatever clearance, and then you can take that and do a, other jobs in there in that field. Okay, let me see. See if I missed anything. Somebody said on Google said, would you recommend the CGRC or CISA for a person with six months of IT service experience with DOD with a security plus and a security clearance? Congrats. Um, wanting to get a job as an ISO or a junior auditor in a private sector. Um, okay. So in your case, Okay, so first of all, I have a CGRC, and I've worked in the private sector. And I will say that between those two certifications, the CISA is a is a more people know about the CISA. More people know about the CISA. Between those two, CISA is going to be um, a more marketable cert that you could use for GRC position. To see see a CISA from ISACA can be used for both of those. It can be used for ISO or it can be used as an auditor. I know this because my boss at a couple of my previous positions had a CISA and they we were ISOs in one job and another one I was in uh, I was an auditor. I was a we did assessments, auditor assessment whatever. Um so C CISA is more I would say between those two, CISA. Now, if you wanted to, what I will say is if you're trying to get, uh, I'm not necessarily saying don't get the CGRC, but it's just not as marketable as a CISA. If if between those two, now I don't have a CISA. I just noticed like my boss would have a CISA. <laughs> you know what I mean? My coworkers would have a CISA. My there's just more movement, I think, for a CISA than a CG. I'd be the only person on our team with a CGRC. I'd be the only, and pe most people don't even know what the hell it is. Uh, some people, the people who do know what it is, they're trying to hire me, but most people don't know it. It's just not as marketable. So I would say CISA is your best. It, it's gonna CISA is a professional level cert. It's gonna give you the option of going in ISO. You could use it as your as an is for an ISO and auditor in the private sector or the public sector. CISA is fire. CGRC is very specialized. Um, I taught it. I, I've had it for many years. I had it when it first came out, when it was called CAP. Um, and 
I'm just trying to tell you it's it's an easier. I was probably easier certification, but CISA is a better certification. It's more marketable. People know what it is. You can use it in private or public sector. So just my two cents. So good good luck to you. Um, Dam says, does private and government sector give a chance to employees to move to a different position? Shadowing with other professionals from audit to cyber. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, let me see. Yeah. So in the position, the current organization I'm with is a federal organization. And they they're always. Every now and then they'll they'll give us options to move laterally or actually either laterally or up. And I've been given a couple positions, a couple of opportunities to move either up in management or supervisory roles or laterally to this other thing over here. Yes. In the last job I had um, when I was working in the purely private sector. Wow, they, there was lots of opportunity to move. They like you want to be a cloud guy, you want to be an application security guy. You know, it was harder to move like in management. It was harder to move up, but laterally, like back, you know, here and there, it was easier. Upwards, it was it was doggy dog, man. It was like a fight. People had to leave the organization for you to get a management type position. <laughs> it was hard, you know. Anybody who was getting those kind of positions had been there for. 10 years or something like yeah so but that's just too let me see let me go back before that i worked at nasa <clears throat> and that one was for the for the government i was a contractor there wasn't a lot of mo movement there it depends on the organization so it depends like out of the three or four organizations the last three or four organizations it really depend depend on the culture and the situation of the contract and the what position you were in. Most of the time, there was movement. There was a way for me to move up or, or sideways most of the time. But there was a couple that was like, you know, you got to jump through fire hoops to move up or or move anywhere. But usually nine times out of ten, I was able to move around. And then they would even they would train you to like you would go. This other guy was moving and then they needed a guy to fill that, say, uh, cloud role or something. So they would move you slowly over. They would get, OK, you got to get a certification. You got to go to this or that class. Now you're going to shadow this person for six to eight months or three months, whatever. OK, now you you're now you're a cloud guy. It would be like that at some of the organizations I worked at. So, yes. Yes, there's there's room to to move usually. I'm trying to download the resume templates, but it's not working. Um, Shola, it it works for most people. I get um, scores and score many many people downloading this certification. Maybe try a different um, my resume rather. People download my resume. Are you talking about the one on my website? Maybe try a different browser. That might work. Try a different browser. Try it from your phone. Try it from your computer on a different browser. That might that might work for you. I don't normally get complaints about that. It, it works. I'm working with the ISM on risk management 
I'm working with the ISSM on risk management and the SSP. Do you teach this in your course? Um, yes. So the thing that I really core. So I've got two different courses. If you guys didn't know, it's a great opportunity for me to to uh, show my to advertise a little bit. All right. So on my screen, for those who listen to me, I'm showing my actual on YouTube. I'm showing my actual site, ComboCourses.com. And what I have is my most popular course is called RMS ISO Foundations. And what I teach here is what do you really need to know about being an ISO? It's more than just system security plans. There's a bunch of tasks that you're supposed to do, and I tell you how to cover your ass. I'm talking very practically. I'm not, this is not just theory. This is about what you're going to need to know. Now, every organization, has their own flavor of NIST 800 and risk management framework. What I mean by that is that they'll have their own different names, or they'll sprinkle in some of their own security controls, or they'll, you know, they'll add this, all this extra stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the same. It's risk management framework. It comes from the NIST 837 and NIST 8. The controls come from NIST 853. So in this one, I'm telling you from a high level, what you need to do, pr practically what you need to do as a information system security officer, and all of it is from the perspective of an information system security officer. Um, and then the other one that's pretty popular is where I'm telling you how to do the actual documents. And um, let me see if I can find that one. So if you go to, go to... I really got to improve this site. If you if you click on the icon, it takes you to all of the all of the courses. I got downloadable free stuff. I got assessments sheets. I've got worksheets. I've got uh, template guidelines for free. I've got stuff for eight bucks. I got stuff, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And if you join my newsletter, sometimes I just give stuff away for free, books and stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm giving away some books real, 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 real soon. I'm going to be giving away some books. So another course that people get, besides foundations, where I'm telling you how to be an information system security officer, um, and it's specifically for people like you who's about to do this, is this one here. So the other one's called Risk Management Framework, ISO, Security Controls, and Documentation. The reason why I made this one is because when I first started this, I really had I really struggled with the document pe documentation piece, and I come to find out it's actually much easier than I thought. And so what I'm doing is sharing with you what you really need to know um, as far as creating a plan of action milestone. Um, what when do you need to do a plan of action milestone? What kinds of things that you need to see in a plan of action milestone? What is a risk response? What how how do you do that in um, some of the control families? That's the kind of stuff I'm talk that I'm talking about. And actually, I'm going to add more to this. And the reason why this is so cheap is because I'm it's still in development. It's, I'm still adding things to this. The book is in there too. So if you want my the book that's forty dollars on Amazon, that's you get that here and templates uh, of downloadable templates nine times out of ten what happens is your organization is already going to have all the templates and stuff in fact you probably use emas or something 
you probably use Emas or you use, I don't know, uh, CSAM or you use, I don't know, uh, name one. So Archer, whatever. Like there's these different modules that will guide you through putting these in these databases, these content management systems. But you have, you need to know like, how the artifacts work and what they are looking for. What, what, when I say they, what are auditors looking for when you put this stuff in there? So it's still important to know like what kinds of things should be in a plan of action or milestone, for example, even if you're putting it in EMAS or whatever content management system, you, you need to know like what needs to go in there and why. And so that's the things I'm talking about. And there's still many different, yes, emails. Yeah. So there's still many different things I'm putting in there. I'm going to add many, many more things to it. I'm not done with it. For those of you who have already purchased it, it's not finished. I'm going to add more stuff to it. And I promise you, you came in super early because I will, I am going to, it's not going to be $295. It's going to be more than that soon. So just, (laughs) just so you know, like this is, there's people charging like thousands of dollars for what I'm giving away damn near for free. So uh, um, it's, the price isn't going to go down. Um, so enough of that advertising stuff. Let's get back to more questions here. Uh, let me see what do we have on TikTok. I said I wasn't going to do two hours and I'm already at an hour and 30 minutes and I think I'm going to cut this short, but I'm going to answer a couple more questions first. Um, somebody said, I've been working at the University of Wisconsin as a IT tech. Man, congrats. That's great. That's great. Make sure you put all that in your resume. Make sure you articulate all the cybersecurity stuff that you're doing. A lot of times IT professionals don't, they don't know how to word the stuff that they put on your resume. I got free. You can download my resume for free right now. Go to ComboCourses.com. Look for free stuff. You'll see my my free resume. There's a couple for like three bucks. And it's basically giving you a template of what you should, how it should look and what kinds of things you need to put on your resume. All right. So go ahead and check that out. I also have a bunch of like discounts. I got one that's like, I don't know, 80% off where it's going to walk you through how I've been able to be making six figures and work from home for seven years. I don't know. People don't not interested in that, but you know, it's actually kind of cool, but to each their own. <laughs> it's it's there. Um I'm in cybersecurity. I'm in cyber and have six years have been for six years. Okay. I can't read. I'm in cyber and have been for six years. When more people come into cyber, the salary drops. I don't know about that. Um, I think that is is changing. I would. I think that the price has gone up, Deshaun. This is just my two cents. I've been doing this for quite some time. Here's my here's here's what I think is happening. So we're still in early days of cybersecurity. I think that this field is going to be like more like a more like um, a, a more mature field to compare to would be the uh, healthcare industry. So the healthcare industry has different levels and layers, right? You have your CNAs, your certified nurse, you have orderlies, right? Orderlies, anybody can do, or you could just hire anyone who's a big dude or whatever who can lift things to be an orderly, but they work in the hospital, right? Then you have like your your entry-level certified nursing assistants, 
And those guys, they they have some training, like they have like three or four months of training and they have to know some stuff. They have to have like a little certificate from state to state or whatever. Then you have above them, maybe a whole bunch of people like Billy Billers and like you have your all these people before you even get to a nurse. Right. Nurses and you got LPNs and I don't know the rank structure of, of LPNs. Then you have like doctors. You have before you even get to them, surgical technicians and then doctors and and on up. You have this whole different hierarchy of people in the healthcare industry. I think that that's slowly happening in IT and in cybersecurity in particular. There's all these different levels and layers that are being built on as we, as a species, we're just getting into this stuff. Like it's becoming more and more important and it's, it's, you need more people to do this work. That said, everybody doesn't need to be making a hundred thousand. There's not not all roles for what we do are worth a hundred thousand. I think we're getting paid more, but the the problem is the value of the dollar has been dropping drastically. A hundred thousand is not what it used to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Six. 60,000 is not what it used to be uh, only three years ago. It's just not what it used to be. I would argue that they're paying more now, but it's it just doesn't go as far. It just doesn't go as far anymore, I've noticed. You know, so for me, what I've done for money, and I've, I've noticed a lot of cyber, cybersecurity dudes are really freaking, they're really freaking clever, man. Cybersecurity dudes are really clever, I've noticed. I thought not not just clever. I, I would I would one up it. They're not just smart. They take action. Here's what I noticed about cybersecurity guys. That's different from every other field in IT in particular. All of us are freaking on beast mode getting other bags. Most of the cybersecurity guys I know they're either doing real estate or the side business or some sort of a side hustle. Uh, they always have some other thing going on. Almost always. When you get talking to them, it turns out they're a millionaire. If you get talking to them, it turns out they have a they have a whole business. They have a they have a whole separate business from what they're actually doing. I I think that it's because what happens when you get into cybersecurity, this is my theory. You start learning about risk risk and reward it becomes part of your dna and then you start to realize you start to apply the same things you learn with risk management to your life and you start to realize okay there is a huge risk of me losing my job and i need to offset that risk with uh i need to offset that risk and so you do other things to offset the risk to your life. So that's what I've been doing. And I noticed, mo I thought I was the only one, but every time I talk to another cybersecurity guy who's been doing this for a while, they're a millionaire. I'm like, yo, how did you get a million dollars? And they're like, oh yeah, I just did this, 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 this. I'm like, and then they're like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this and this. I'm like, really? Yeah. Cybersecurity dudes are like, they're no joke. You get talking to them and uh, you find something amazing. They're, 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 
Have you ever heard this? There's this song called Every Day I'm Hustling by Rick Ross. That's cybersecurity guys. Most cybersecurity guys are on hustle mode 24-7. I'm telling you, most of the ones I talk to are on hustle mode. They always have some kind of angle. They always, they're always doing something on the side. And it's because risk. You start to apply risk management to your life. You start to see like you look at an organization and you see the organization has certain assets. There's certain things that are important to them. Like if they lose it, you as a cybersecurity person realize if they lose that shit, their bottom lines hurt. They're hurt. You see it directly. You're talking to the managers, the CEOs. They're freaking out. They're like, yo, we have to protect this asset. We have to protect. Here's why you see the side. You see the perspective of the organization from the CEO, director, or whoever, right? You see, you see their perspective on it. And then you see the real risk to the organization. You see the real risk and you're like, and and then you see like if they spend a hundred thousand on a say a firewall, it if they spend that. There, there's a reason like every maybe the organization like you talk to IT guy, regular IT guys they're like, why are they spending four hundred thousand on this firewall? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that if they if they if the risk <laughs> they have to because if because if they lose that system, if they don't protect it to spend that four hundred thousand to protect it, they'll lose four million if they don't. You know what I mean? So you start to apply the same logic to your own life and you start to like figure out, okay, there's a huge risk in my own life. I make X amount of dollars. I'm, I'm four months away from bankruptcy. If I don't pay my bills, what the hell am I going to do? So then you're like, okay, how can I bring in other revenue streams? What can I do? How much time do I have? Okay. I'll do X. I'll, this is not going to take too much of my time. I'll do this other thing. Then what happens is that other thing starts doing pretty good. And, and you're like, okay, that's doing good. Let me try this other thing over here. And then that starts making some money. So cybersecurity guys are about that life, man. I've noticed many, many. I, I thought I was the only one, but no. Action takers. Um, thoughts on... G uh, W H U for new people. I'm not sure what W G H U is. Uh, did you go to college for cyber? I did go to college, but um, you don't absolutely need to go to college to do cybersecurity. I would highly encourage it. Like it's easier to get your foot in the door. I would. You should do it. You should definitely do it. If you if you have the resources and time and money and energy to do college, yes, it's worth your time. I did. I went to you don't have to go to freaking Harvard, man. You don't have to go to MIT. I went to freaking University of Phoenix. I mean, I just heard the other night some comedian was was talking about <laughs> was talking about uh University of Phoenix being horrible. And I can't say she's wrong. <laughs> But you could go to any accredited college and you're good, man. Any accredited college. Somebody said Western Governors University, WG. So they're, these guys are promoting the hell out of their stuff. And I've heard a lot of people that, that go there. 
And um, yeah, you could go if as long as it's accredited, like WGU, that's fine. And you don't have to do cybersecurity. Like it would be better if you did, but you can do anything. I would, I would say anything doing dealing with computers. I would say anything dealing with computers. That said, if you already have a degree in engineering or science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, then you can still get a job, and you have experience in IT. You they'll still hire you. And take your bachelor's degree or so associates, whatever. Is cyber easier than computer science? Cyber, you mean cyber? Is cybersecurity easier than computer science? It depends on the curriculum of the school. The schools that I went to, University of Phoenix, they at the time, I went like 20 years ago, but at the time, they were the computer science degree was heavy on math, logic, and and um and programming. So it was hard. It was hella hard. And then the other degrees weren't like that. Um, I had, I took information technology and it was heavy on like writing and organizations and how to protect this organization and what kinds of things you need to have in the organization and stuff like that. But uh, cyber, it, in my, from what I've seen, most curriculums to say computer science usually are heavy on on um programming but you know i could be wrong it depends on the curriculum of that school what about top secret clearance what do you what do they look for what about top secret clearance what do they look for um i think i think maybe there's a misunderstanding because that's a strange question to ask do you mean do you mean jobs that look for top secret clearance what do they look for? It really depends. Um, it so it's you got it reversed. So um, okay, so you you got it. What you got to look for is a job, any job, right? Any job can ask for a top secret clearance, or uh, if they if they have a need, if their if their client, the government, has a need for your a need for that organization to have a clearance top secret or seek or otherwise um they're going to look for the job there's going to be a job description and it's going to you know you're going to go off the job description so it could be anything it could be we want we need a sock analyst and that sock analyst needs to have a year of they need to have a SAN certification and they need to have a year of experience doing uh, incident handling or we need a forensics guy or maybe maybe it's a policy. We need a GRC professional who knows NIST 800 and requirements, top secret clearance. Or, hey, we need a pro project manager. We want them to have one year of experience and know how to do Gantt charts. And by the way, requirement, top secret clearance. You know, like it could be any like you got. I think you got it reversed. Like it depends on the, the job description is going to be what it is. And then they're going to add a top secret clearance on top of it. What do you how do you obtain a top secret clearance? That's probably your original question. Um, So from from what I understand, you need to get into a job that you need to go to a corporation that has a need for top secret clearance. So some organization, small, medium, or large organization, 
they get a they get a um they win a contract with the government department of defense department of navy whatever right they win and then that contract requires them to have a certificate a um a clearance a top secret clearance a secret clearance whatever public trust clearance whatever and then they have to they get their company gets that you know billets for us uh, certification uh, for clearances, man. I'm mixing my words up. They they get like they say, okay, we need five positions for clearances. They hire people in, and then you get it. What's called an SSBI. They do a background investigation on you, um, and and then they'll bring you in, and then you have a cert. So to answer your question, go to a company that requires a top secret clearance. That's how you. That's how you would get one. And then they will give you a top secret clearance because you have a need to have one. If there's another way to do it, I don't know. I will say this. Top secret clearances are difficult to get. Um, and they take a long time. Um, I've had one before. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I've had a top secret clearance, a secret clearance and a public trust. And um, they'll do a background investigation on you. And uh, they'll they'll talk to people that you used to know. You have to fill out this. I can't remember FS eighty five, whatever the hell it's called. I can't remember what it's called. Equip, and it's like this big ass thing that you have to fill out. And it, they keep it online or whatever. It's very intrusive. It talks about it asking you all kind of questions about your entire damn life. And so, what do they look for? So, what are they looking for when they're doing a background investigation on you? They're looking for uh, if you are a terrorist, like if you happen to be on the on the nation's capital on January 6th, probably going to be a red flag. <laughs> if you if you had terrorist threats against the government. Probably not good. If you have any affiliation with terrorist organizations. Not good. Um, other things that are probably more commonplace would be like uh, finances. So if you have a lot of debt, like I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of of debt that's not connected to real estate. Like if you have actually even real, maybe real estate, too. I don't know. But they do look at your debt. Like if you have a huge, huge amount of debt, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, then they're going to look at that. They're going to look at your credit history. They're looking for specific things. Like it's pretty extreme what they're looking for. Um, they're looking for if you've ever been involved, if you have any criminal background. And I'm not talking about you got some tickets or you sped or I'm talking about you had violent assaults. You had you've robbed a bank. You have felonies, you, you know, like serious stuff. That's not to say that they won't hire you, but they need to ask you questions about it. They're looking for I travel a lot. They ask me a lot of questions about my travel. Like a lot of questions. I travel a lot. I've been to 15 different countries and I'll just hang out there and stuff. And they ask me a lot of questions, like a year's worth of questions about where I've been, what I'm not doing. Do I own property over there? Who do I know there? Who did I talk to? Why did you go there? How long were you there? The stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think of any other things that they are looking for. They're looking to see if you're a, if you're a threat to the government. If you can be a threat or if you're a threat to the government, that's really what they're looking for. So if you have a bunch of debt, they're looking for could 
Russia pay you a million dollars and get you to tell them secrets. They're looking for stuff like that. They're looking for if you had any ties to uh, Al Qaeda or ISIS or something. They're looking for stuff like that. Are you a threat to the government? Um, is there more money in software engineering than cybersecurity? It it kind of depends on the job, I would say. Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the on the on the job. Uh, what is what is cybersecurity heavy on? And did you have free time in college to, for example, to hit the gym and party? Oh my God, man! How old are you, man? <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. Anyway, no, no, I'm not trying to disrespect you, man. <laughs> it's just I'm I'm old, man. That's that's all. It's just like these questions, man. I'm just it's funny. Um, what is what is it heavy on? So cybersecurity is a very it's a very big field. So, uh, um. It really depends on what part of cybersecurity you're trying to go into. So there's, I'll give you three different examples. Um, one is say um, pen testing. That's like hacking, ethical hacking. It's heavy on, it's going to be really heavy on navigating the back end of an operating system. It's going to be heavy on scripting. Not necessarily programming, but scripting. There's a difference. Um, it's going to be heavy on knowing how applications work and how networking works. And then let's go into another another part of cybersecurity, network security. So network security is super heavy on straight up networking. So network engineering is what you're going to have to be super strong on. How do LANs work versus WANs? What's the difference between those two? How do route, routing protocols work? Um, how do you secure a router? What's the difference between a router and a switch? How do you secure both of those? How do you secure them in a large environment? It's going to be heavy on networking. Um, network engineering is what it's going to be heavy on. And then you have what I do right currently is, um, is GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. I'm sure you've seen it. People talk about it all the time. It's, it's not really heavy on technical stuff. So that said, I do have to know some technical stuff because I got to speak to technical people, but I also got to talk to managers. I got to talk to it's it's really it's really heavy on frameworks, cybersecurity frameworks. That would be like NIST 800, Sarbanes-Oxley, PCI compliant. If you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, it's it's basically if you go to Target, you swipe your card in in Target on the back end. On the networking side, when it when that little device, that point of sale device is taking your credit card data, there's all of these different rules that have to be in place in order to protect your data as it goes from point A to point B. So PCI DSS is one set of protocols or rules that say, OK, the network has to be separated from the regular Wi-Fi that the employees are using. The do you have to have a policy in place to say that all all target systems will have access control mechanisms will have auditing will have all employees will do x y and z there's a policy in place there's procedures for the it guys 
All of those are the rules that are put in place. What I do is make sure those rules are in place. So I come in and say, okay, do we have a policy? Let me see it. Is it up to date? What? Well, let me see the date on it. Right. And then I have to say, okay, now that you guys said that there's policies in place, let me go check. So it's heavy on policies, rules, things like that. So it depends on what to answer your question. What is cybersecurity heavy on? The basic thing all of us are heavy on is this protection of confidentiality, integrity, and availability of the information that's on the system. And if in all fields, whether we're hackers or we're compliance guys like myself or the actual infrastructure guys, networking engineers, all of us are heavy on those things. Protection of, it's called CIA, confidentiality, integrity, and availability of the information. Um, and that's it. But we all do it in different ways. Um, oh, and the earlier question was, do you have time to party? <laughs> um, probably. Like if you have no obligations, it comes down to where you're, you know, where your obligations are. Like what I at the time I was in the military and had a kid, so I had no time to party. But I imagine if you had no kid and had no you know, if you had nothing going on, I'm sure you could probably do it. Like if, if you're trying to get your degree done quickly, then you're going to be focused on your degree. But if you're like, you know, I'm living with my parents. Um, I got kids that are living with me. Yeah, it's no big deal. It's not it's not a problem. But you're living with your parents or you're living with your boys and you're you know, you're, you're not in a rush to finish it. You're going to finish it in four years or whatever. Yeah, man, you got plenty of time to party and do your thing. Do you need a four-year degree to do cybersecurity? You don't absolutely need one, but it's definitely going to help. So a four-year degree is going to help. It's going to help a lot. No problem, Joseph. Uh, let me see. Um, I got a Google Cyber Security Plus going to BL BTL. 1AZ104, Splunk Core, too many certs. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say too many certs. I would just say make sure you get some some um in some actual hands-on experience as much as possible. Get as much hands-on experience as you can because that's gonna be an organization want go, is gonna want to see you hit the ground running. I would focus on one thing like Splunk. If you get some Splunk experience. I'm just choosing things out of the list you said, but choose one thing and then like get experience on that one thing. Find a way to get experience on that one thing. Something that you could put on your resume besides just skills. Because right now you could put as skills you can say familiar with. Um, you could say familiar with security plus. No, you could say no, it's not. That's not a good one. You could say <laughs> right now you could say familiar with core uh, Splunk. You know, you could say. Um, in your skills, um, AZ-104, you can put that on your education and stuff. But you really want to put the meat of your resume and your profile on LinkedIn or wherever you're going to put your stuff is going to be your experience. So you, at some point, try to get some experience on your resume. Now, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you already are employed. I don't know if you're in the military. I don't know if you or just getting out of high school or college or whatever, but wherever you are, try to get experience because that's the meat of what's going to need to go on your, on your resume. 
something besides just skills because skills like you you probably know how to do some hacking maybe you know in map you could put that in your skills you could put splunk on your skills but you want to be able to say set up a splunk server with the university of phoenix allowing 500 allowing 500 systems to be monitored continuously that's something you want to be able to put on your resume you want to be able to put on your resume developed content for splunk for uh university of massachusetts um allowing continuous monitoring for five campuses right you want to put stuff like that you want to be able to put stuff like um conducted training on splunk i'm just using splunk could be any of these things <laughs> conducted training uh for 15 students for community college of the air force or wherever you know you want to be able to put some actual stuff on your resume all right let me see rich says bruce do you have a video on FedRAMP compliance oh, that's a great question I probably do one no i don't i don't have much on FedRAMP. um i think i spoke about it a couple times in the past but i'm this is something I, I probably should do. I should probably do a whole course on this, to be honest, because I have done FedRAMP compliance before. I have to sit down with the information. It's been a while. But no, I don't I don't have anything to speak of on on Fed. Do I? Let me see. Do I have stuff on FedRAMP? I don't even I've done so many videos, guys. That I'm I forget how much. Yeah, I guess I have, but these are I mean, these are preliminary. I'm on the four minute videos. I don't have any like flat out training on FedRAMP. So no, I would say no. I've talked about it a few times, but I don't have like a whole training course on it. Or like I can't I can't point to anything and say, yeah, there's a 10 minute breakdown of FedRAMP. I, I've not done that. I'd have to sit down, and make some slides and, and stuff like that. I've been asked a few times, so maybe one day I'll do one. And I and I have have experience with it. So um, Justin said, uh, I work for IBM as a system support specialist moving back into dev. Any tips? No, I, I, I don't know anything about develop, um, about dev back in development. I don't, I can't speak on it, man. I'm, I apologize, Justin. I just, I'm not smart on that at all, man. Um, let me see. The bulk of security, cybersecurity contracting roles intersect with AWS cloud environments. Yeah, FedRAMP, man. More and more. Can't escape it. Been trying to escape it for a long ass time. Now everything is cloud, 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 cloud. Um, let me see. I was I was in government contracting in DC for about seven years during cybersecurity and it was about 70 30 AWS to Azure. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. I agree with that. Yeah, that's about right. So there's a lot of Azure stuff, but mostly it's been AWS. I mean, lately I'm seeing a lot more Azure stuff though because uh Microsoft been really aggressive on pushing all of their products and most of their products are more and more based on cloud stuff, which which requires like an Azure backend. 
Yeah, Azure is picking up. I, I would agree with that. I'm seeing it more and more. Like it's just everywhere recently. Hey, if I were to get my security plus and then buy and then my secure my Linux certifications, would that be good enough to start looking for analyst roles as well as completing my Google cyber program? So what's your background? Are you are you a help desk guy or what's your I would have to know more about your background. Yeah, the chat is moving super fast, man. It's getting crazy. Um, I have no background in IT. I'm coming from healthcare. So healthcare, I get so many people asking me about healthcare. So one thing you guys have over me, a 20-year-old, a 20, a 20 plus year, I wouldn't say 20-year-old vet. Do I look like 20? <laughs> HIPAA, yes. One thing you guys have over me, a 20 something year vet in IT is HIPAA. And what I would do if I was in the healthcare career field, whether I was a CNA or I was a I was a nurse or whatever, um, is I would lean heavily into my experience with HIPAA. Anytime you've ever protected any information from clients, which is all the time, basically, um, I would reach back into that um, specifically for protection of the of the information and the systems of 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 healthcare devices. Um, if you have any experience with Epic, um, I'll put that on my resume, and I would focus on your experience with HIPAA and the pop helping with the policies of healthcare. Now, what you need to do is let me see you said let me let's look at your background you said that you said that your background was you're starting to look for analyst roles and i i would argue that analyst roles are not necessarily you said you have okay you were going to get your security plus yes i would get my security plus uh, linux certifications won't won't hurt you but there's another one there's another certifications you should look into. So it's from ISC2 Square. And um, this one might help you out quite a bit. Um, and it is called the HCISPP. Let me blow your mind real quick. If you happen to be in the healthcare career, this is why I ask, like, what is your background? Because even with no experience, you actually have more experience than me because you're in healthcare. I, I've done very little with healthcare, very, very little with health. I I, I worked with a couple of, of um, healthcare organizations to secure their their networks. Um, but you're in, you're on the inside looking out. So you have a huge advantage over most of us. So what you could do possibly is take this certification right here. Let me uh, switch my camera. Um, let's see if I can switch it. Okay, here it is right here. And this is called the HC, 
ISSP, Healthcare Security Certification. And this is specifically for protecting people, uh, organizations within the healthcare industry. Here's a breakdown of what it is. Um, and here's what the things that they say, who, who earns the HCISPP? Uh, Compliance officers, privacy officers, medical records, supervisors, information technology, privacy, healthcare, health information managers, practice managers. So this one right here would be one that you probably want to look into because it's protection of healthcare information. Um, and you already have a background like HIPAA's already, they're already brainwashing you with HIPAA, right? So maybe look into that one because that's right up your alley. So there's a lot of stuff like this. Like if you happen to be in retail, probably a good one for you would be PCI compliance because you, you you work with point of sale devices. You have to protect people's credit card information. There's basic things you have to do. And then in the back end that you don't see is something called PCI compliance. And you should probably learn that if you're in retail. If you happen to be in um, the financial sector, Sarbanes-Oxley is something you should know. And PCI compliance. Both of those are like financial protection of people's financial information. Um, if you are in the federal government, you should definitely learn a little bit about NIST 800. NIST 800 RMF. Type that in to Google. Um, that's what you should learn. Um, if you, every every industry has has these what's called frameworks, and these frameworks are it's not fun, but if if you like money, then it's going to help you out on your resume. It's it's going to help you out. I mean, because people are looking for people who know these things. And you you might be sitting on a gold mine. You might have experience. Like this this person just asked me what they should do, and they're in the healthcare industry. It's like, yo, like you already you already have a lot of what you need, bro. You know, so um, yeah, look into eight. It's called the HCISPP, and that right there, like, it's like you. It's funny because when I first started, I was a young dude, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get in there and. You just see all this stuff and you like excited about hacking or some bullshit. And then what you find is like it's real, it's way more competitive, right? You're you're you are up against people from all over the world who are smarter than you and willing to take less money, right? And then you I learn later on that lo and behold, I already have a skill that they can't compete with that people all over the world can't compete with. And that was me knowing, number one, being a freaking U.S. citizen, number one, uh, and also being in um, knowing uh, risk management framework, security stuff. You already have a huge advantage because they're going to pay you more. Somebody asked me in this chat, they said, oh, you, should you do cybersecurity or should you like which one makes more money, cybersecurity or software engineering? Like it really depends. Like if you're developing your own software, if you're de developing Flappy Birds, you know, and you're going to make a million dollars by yourself from Vietnam, then make Flappy Birds, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you're a normal dude like myself who is not going to make Flappy Birds or Iron Pants or the next freaking, you know, killer app. And 
is probably going to be cybersecurity because there's too many people competing in software engineering. There's just too many. There's so many. I'm not telling you not to learn programming. They should. Programming's dope. But cybersecurity is like a guaranteed damn job. Like it's a guaranteed six-figure job. Software engineering, you're competing against Indians. You can you're competing against half of India, right? A rising power. You're competing against a rising power of brilliant MFs and who have colleges on the same level or better than Harvard, who are paid 25% of what you need to, like what you're wanting to get paid. I'm saying like manage your risk. You're, you'll be better off as an American citizen doing cybersecurity, learning that. Getting paid in cybersecurity. What do you want, dude? This cat is freaking killing me. You'd be better. Like, it's it's a more secure bet to do cybersecurity, especially if you're an American. What reason why I say American citizen um, or green card holder is really American citizen. You're eligible for security clearance. So there's certain clearances that lend themselves to you being here in the U.S., and then certain security clearances that are only for American citizens. So it weeds out competing against half the world's population, literally half the world's population. Who's in ISO here? <laughs> Armani, that's a great question, man. Can I get some hands on who's ISOs? We might know each other. We might have met. Um, it's hard to get in though. Um, there's a learning curve for cybersecurity. There is a learning curve for cybersecurity, but, um, you can do it. So just go for it, you know, take the first steps forward, which means learn basic IT stuff. You know, it's, I wouldn't say it was necessarily it's necessarily hard, but it's going to take some work. There's going it's going to take some effort. Cloud security or cybersecurity, either one of those are fire. I would say cloud security because it's more specific. Um, I'm in cyber, hard to get a clearance. Oh, you mean you mean hard to get a clearance? Oh, okay. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Are you married? Um, I'm I'm going to be married real soon. I'm working on it. The single life is is for the birds. The emas Emas Bruce. Uh Arm Armani, before I leave, man, what was your question? I'm I'm the chat's going crazy on TikTok. I can't, I think I lost your question. And while you're thinking about that, Navi on Google on YouTube has a question. He says, Hey Bruce, how long does it take to move your clearance between agencies from a DOD to Homeland Security? Homeland Security. Hey man, message me directly. We need to talk. I know the equip uh, needs to be completed. Um, 
Navi, it's it's really mixed, man. Like I've, I see a question, Armani. Let me let me uh, answer this one from Navi real quick. Yeah, Ar Navi, seriously, man, message me directly. We need to talk about some serious about this question of yours. But I can just tell you, um, it it depends. Like one of my coworkers, they they moved theirs from DOD to just like you just said, and that one took theirs. According to them anecdotal information theirs took about three months theirs took about three months um but i know other people who had to redo theirs from scratch because homeland security is is is, is weird i don't know why it's so strange i don't know what's going on with them they, they got some other stuff going on but uh i don't know why but it takes a while yeah message me directly man you need to talk um, let me see. Armani, he said, would you say CDSE EMAS training enough to understand? Would you say that the tra EMAS training is enough to understand RMF, SSP, and POAMS? And then somebody answered his question that said, I've never taken that question. I've, I've never, um, I've never taken that. I've never taken that. Sorry. I've never taken that, uh, that training, EMAS training. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I can't answer that, that question. I've never taken it. So um, I know that if EMAS is any, I don't have experience with EMAS, but I, I do have experience with, Archer, um, some, a bunch of these things, Archer in uh, CSAM. And I would say if, if those are any indication, then no, it's not enough, but maybe, maybe EMAS training is, is, is different. Um, probably system security plan, but if you want to know more information, system security plans, are broken down pretty good in a document called NIST 800-18. It's pretty straightforward. So if you go to NIST 800-18, it's a, it's a breakdown of the NIST's implementation of the uh, of the system security plan, a basic system security plan. So it has a template at the back end of it. It has everything that you really need to know, and it's there's no, it's not magical. Like, but all of the, I will tell you this, EMAS, CSAM, and all the other content management systems, all of those, all of those are, um, man, this cat is bothering the hell out of me. Go away, go away, kitty, go away, go, go. I ignore him and he starts biting the shit out of me. Go, go away, go, 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 go. Go, go, go away, go away, go away. Oh, Lord. Okay, anyway, yeah, I've been on this thing too long. Okay, so answer your question. So um, NIST 800-18, that is a breakdown of system security plans. <clears throat> Poems, damn, I know that there's, there's one. I know that the... Um, where can you get something on poems? 
missed poems. I think there's another one for poems, but off the top of my head, I can't remember it. Is is citing NIST eight hundred fifty three, but yeah, it's citing NIST eight hundred fifty three, but um, for sure NIST eight uh, NIST eight hundred eighteen is system security plans. So take a look at that one. It's pretty straightforward. It has the they basically copied the same framework that they have in that book. Yeah, somebody said not really. AD said not really. I'm not actively looking just for, okay, this is another question. You guys are having a conversation. I'm just going to see my way out of that <laughs> conversation. My phone's about to die. I got like 11% on my phone here. And... Um, let me see if I can answer one last question. Yeah, Nobby, hit me up, man. I might have something to tell you. Um, last question. Looking for a good last question. My phone's about to die, so we got to wrap this up real quick. Let me see any more questions that I can answer. Uh, let me see. How much do you get paid? Okay, I can answer that question. So my current salary, my current job is um, is a hundred and thirty a year, um, which on the East Coast is pretty low, according to my my coworker who's on the East Coast. Like, you don't make that much money. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's enough for me. I live in Colorado, but um, yeah, so that's how much I make. It's not a bad gig. Work from home. I'm not can't complain too much. Um, benefits aren't great. Um, and I think that's it guys. My phone's about to die and I got to get going. I'll try. I'll try to do another one tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for asking these great questions. I apologize if I was not able to get you your questions. You can see my chat's going crazy. I'm also on, I got YouTube over here, Facebook, LinkedIn over here. People asking me questions and I got TikTok over here. So I'm just at just going back and forth answering random questions. At some point, what I would love to do is like do training like I used to do um, on NIST 800 or or um, NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, I could off the top of my head, I could teach it, but I I, I like answering like these open ended questions. It's more it's less stressful for me, and um, and I have to prepare for it. We can just talk. All right, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for talking to me. Navi hit me up on email. Um, might have something for to tell you. And thanks a lot, guys. I'll try to do another one tomorrow. Man, my phone over on TikTok is super. It's like hot. <laughs>